You are listening to the Mercy View podcast. Mercy View exists to be a gospel-centered family of missional disciples to the glory of God and for the city's good. For more information about Mercy View, please visit our website at mercyview.com. Now, let's taste and see that the Lord is good. Now, please stand for the reading of God's word. We will be in Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening. Welcome to Mercy View. Uh, we're so uh, at, at top. We're really glad to see you all tonight. Thankful you could be here. My name is John. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, just excited to be able to, to step into God's word with you this evening. So let's, as we get started, I'd, like to, I'd love to just pray. So let's, let's do that. Father, I just, um, I pray, Lord, that you... just send peace upon us, Lord, just uh, as we bring the baggage of the week behind and the week before into this space, Lord, I pray that this would be a place that we could quiet our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would illuminate your word for us tonight. Lord, just open our eyes, our hearts, and our minds to see your truth. Pray that in Jesus. Amen. Well, it is interesting to me, how changing our perspective can change our priorities. Uh, sometimes we play a part in that, right? We, we play a little bit of a role in changing our perspective. We work to do that. Uh, sometimes circumstances beyond our control can help that along. Um, two and a half years ago, my life and my family's life took a sudden turn. I found myself in the emergency room in the midst of a heart attack. Uh, After the excitement of that evening, I was placed in ICU for, uh, so they could really try to get my heart stable, stable enough for surgery, for bypass surgery. And so the prognosis wasn't great, and I got three and a half days to look forward to that surgery. Um, Laura and I poured our hearts out to the Lord um, during that time because we didn't know what else to do. While we were searching for peace, knowing he was the only one that pr- could provide that. Surgery came. Surgery was successful. Um, I'm here today by God's grace. Um, but as I recovered, I got to see something happen in Laura. There was this acute awareness of God's goodness, and she needed to tell the world about him. First, it was a former coworker of mine that came to visit. Laura had never met this guy before. His name was Brad. He'd never met him. And so he visited. He, he, he had actually had surgery in the past, and so we chatted about that. But at the end of that visit, Laura just says, Hey, Brad. Do you know Jesus? And I was just like, wow, that was, that was bold. And so the, the conversation started. 
And next thing I know, we're having these conversations with everyone that came in the room, it seemed like. There were, there were nurses that would come into the room, and we would end up in these spiritual conversations. Residents that would visit to check on me. I mean, the Lord is kind of evangelizing the staff. Um, one I remember the most, I remember waking up in the middle of Laura, full on sharing the gospel with my aunt as they were there by my bed. So I woke up kind of half groggy. I heard what was happening, and I just kind of shut my eyes, pretended to be asleep, and let it happen. I didn't want to interrupt that moment. Um, there was this heightened awareness in Laura of who he is and how good the gospel is. Our circumstances changed her perspective in a way. God was everything, and we were completely dependent on him. And everyone, everyone needed to know that news. And as we continue this evening in, our book of, in the book of Romans, um, we come to what is really the end of the beginning. We're going to see Paul wrap up this introduction to the letter and provide what would, what's widely considered to be his thesis statement for everything that's to come later. As we began, we saw Paul introduce himself as set apart for the gospel of God through the person and work of Jesus. And through Jesus, we receive grace as his gift through faith. Paul establishes that early on. And last week, we saw Paul express his love for the believers in Rome, his longing to visit them, his ongoing prayer for them. Right? He said he prays without ceasing. His desire to encourage them and be encouraged by them and to help them bear spiritual fruit. And we talked about how we can look to that as a model in our own life, in the body. As we seek to pray for one another, use our gifts to serve one another, and, and help each other use our gifts to bear fruit for the kingdom. So we ended last week in verse 13 with Paul's desire to reap harvest among the people in Rome. Part of that harvest was within the church as we saw, to, to serve and encourage the body. But the second part of that harvest was outside of the church. Paul's desire was to evangelize because the gospel was worthy of sharing. And that's what I want us to see tonight. It's, it's one main point. The gospel is good news worth sharing. The gospel is good news worth sharing. But I also want to give you three reasons why. And here they are. The gospel is a debt we owe. The gospel is God's power to save everyone who believes. And the gospel is the revelation of God's righteousness given to us. So I know what some of you might be thinking, because I might be thinking it too. Ugh. He's going to talk about evangelism, right? It can be a hard topic, right? Evangelism is hard. Maybe you immediately begin to think about methods of the gospel, of sharing the gospel that you've learned in the past. Maybe the Roman road or three circles. Anyone remember faith? Anyone ever do that? No. You guys are too young. Um... Or maybe not Baptist enough. Maybe that's part of it. Um, 
Maybe you think about past experiences, good or bad. Maybe all those missed opportunities come to mind. And listen, I'm, I'm with you. Those come to my mind too. It's an area where I need to grow tremendously. Tonight, though, my hope is that we can focus not on the what and not on the how, but instead on the why. In our passage tonight, I think we can see three reasons why Paul, for Paul, the gospel was worthy of sharing. In fact, these reasons made it impossible for him not to share the gospel with as many people as he possibly could. So here are those reasons again. Reason number one, the gospel is a debt we owe. Now that may sound a little bit strange, but let's, let's look at the verse in verse 14, 15. Paul says this, I, he says, I'm under obligation to both Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to those of you who, who also are in Rome. So Paul sees himself as obligated. Right? The word obligated here can also mean indebted. Paul's saying here in verse 14 that he, he's under obligation or he's indebted to everyone, Greeks and barbarians, wise and foolish. The Greeks here are the more cultured Greek-speaking people in Rome, and the barbarians were the non-Greek-speaking people. They were, they were the Gentiles that were Persians and Egyptians and Spaniards and, and Germans. The word barbar that makes up barbarian is sort of like Babel. It's, it's just, it's other languages, right? It's people that spoke different languages. It sounded like Babel to, to the native tongue. So it's, that's who we're talking about when we talk about barbarians. I had someone tell me this week, we don't really use the term barbarians enough anymore. So I just wanted to make it clear that, that when we talk about barbarians, when Paul's talking about barbarians, he's talking about those, those, those foreign language, those, the foreigners in the land of Rome. He's not talking about like pointy-headed, pointy-helmeted, muscular men with big swords. Um, some of you are probably too young for Conan references. Um, I heard one laugh out there. That's good. The point, though, is that Paul was prepared to share the gospel with anyone at any time, no matter what language, no matter what education level, no matter what religion. Why? Why was he so motivated? Because he felt that he owed them something. He owed them a debt, and he wanted to pay that debt. You and I are probably very familiar with the concept of debt. Right, it's something that's very common to us for sure. Um, you know, the most basic way to think about that is financial terms. I can borrow money from someone. Right, and if I borrow $10,000 from someone, I owe them that money. I'm in debt to them until I pay it back, right? There's another way that I can be in debt. If someone gives me $10,000 to give to someone else, that money's not mine but I would be in debt to the other person, or I would be in debt until I saw the other person and handed over that money. That $10,000 in my pocket would be a debt that I owe until I had given the money to the rightful owner. Another great way I saw that is described with, with a messenger, right? So in the days before modern communication, 
During war, when the war was over, there wasn't a radio or a telephone. There wasn't a quick way to get the word out to the battlefield that the war was over. So the news that the war was over was often given to a messenger. And it was that messenger's job to deliver that message. The messenger was under obligation to get that news to all sides as quickly as possible. Urgency was there because lives were at stake. And so that last picture of dead or that picture of the messenger delivering the urgent news, that's the picture that, that, that Paul is, is getting at when he says he's under obligation, when he's indebted to all people to share the good news of the gospel. So what's true for Paul is also true for us. God's given us his gospel. He's entrusted us with the amazing news of what Jesus has done. And as Christians, he's, it's what he's commissioned us to do. Right? He tells us to go and make disciples. And if you've been around Mercy View long, you've also heard us say that, that we see evangelism as the leading edge of discipleship. So a significant piece of making disciples is going to look like evangelism. And the gospel was the reason for it all. Jonathan Dodson in his book, The Unbelievable Gospel, says this. It says the gospel is central to how and why we evangelize. People need to see how the gospel speaks to their particular and unique needs. The gospel brings us exactly what we need. Acceptance, approval, forgiveness, newness, healing, worth, purpose, joy, hope, peace, and freedom. All in Jesus. It's a message that changes everything. And it's a message that God has given us, not only for ourselves, but for everyone around us. That's the first reason the gospel is worthy of sharing. The gospel is a debt that we owe. We owe that debt to God, but the payment is to everyone else around us as we share the gospel with them. So my question to you is, are we eager, like Paul, to share the good news? I want us to see, though, that the gospel is more than just a message. That brings us to reason number two. The gospel is a message worth sharing. And that's that the gospel is God's power to save everyone who believes. Look in verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek why would Paul need to say he wasn't ashamed of the gospel? Probably because he faced that temptation just like we do to think that it's to, to be ashamed, right? Why else would he write that? Now, I think we have a tendency to create some picture of Paul in our heads uh, to, to maybe make him more than he is, and it probably isn't accurate. I mean, he was Paul, right? But John Stott writes that according to, tra tra to tradition, Paul was an ugly little guy with a beetle brows, bandy legs, a bald pate, a hooked nose, bad eyesight, and no great rhetorical gifts. In other words, Paul was nothing special. What could this little guy bring to the cultural, intellectual, powerful empire that was Rome? So Paul, 
not only Paul could have been ashamed due to his appearance and his ability, but the message of the gospel itself is offensive. The word translated ashamed, when Paul says, I'm not ashamed, could also mean offended. So how is the gospel offensive? Well, the gospel tells us our salvation is free and undeserved. Our only hope is in a gift. In other words, no amount of our own goodness matters. None. The gospel tells us that Jesus had to die for us. Right? Our own sinfulness, your own sinfulness, my own sinfulness required a sacrifice. The gospel tells us that our salvation was accomplished by a suffering servant. And to follow Jesus means a life of suffering and serving with him. Safety and comfort are not a guarantee. Nobody wants to hear those things. Nobody. Right? We, we prefer to trust in our own goodness. We want to believe in human decency. We want to make our own way, not rely on someone else. And we definitely want an easy life as opposed to something that might be difficult. So it's easy to be ashamed because we're a messed up people. Bringing what to the world seems like a messed up message. But Paul saw the gospel as a power. He reminded himself that the message of the gospel, which some see as a weakness, is the very power of God. It results in the salvation of every single person who believes and receives the message. The gospel is power because it changes people. Have you ever tried to change someone? No matter how hard you try, it just doesn't work. I mean, we can't even change ourselves. But the gospel, the word of God said, the gospel changes everyone who receives it. In 1 Corinthians 6, the apostle Paul describes some of the people that have been changed by the gospel. Verses 9 through 11, he says this, he says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. As such were some of you. As such were some of you. Pretty much gets everyone, right? He says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. The gospel has the power to change all kinds of people struggling in all kinds of ways with all kinds of issues. And by its very nature, it's powerful. It changes lives, it changes people, it changes societies. When Paul saw the gospel's power, he found it impossible not to share it. And Paul writes this letter with the hopes of going to the very power center of the civilized world at that time. But Paul knew something or someone greater. The most powerful force in the world isn't a political or military power. It's not wealth. It's not status. 
without any power belonging to any man, woman, empire, or nation. The greatest power is the gospel because it's the power of God that saves everyone who believes. The gospel is worth sharing because it's the power of God. There's one more reason I want to give you. The gospel is a revelation of God's righteousness given to us. That's reason number three. The gospel is a revelation of God's righteousness given to us. Verse 17 says this, For in it, or in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So this is a loaded passage. There's so much that we could spend a lot of time unpacking, and there are many who could do it better than I can. But this is one of the most important statements in all of Scripture. It gets to the very heart of the gospel. This is a verse that changed church history and even changed the world. It's the passage that played an important role in the Protestant Reformation after Martin Luther came to understand it. And if we're able to press into this truth and truly understand it, it'll change us too. Righteousness is something that Paul's going to talk about a lot in Romans. As Brad mentioned in the introductory sermon, it's mentioned over 30 times in 30 verses in this book alone. Here Paul is using it as he lays out the foundation for all that follows in the rest of Romans. As we think about what righteousness means, we might think about right standing. Right, we have a right standing with someone. Our record is clean. No one has anything against us. Right, so those are some ways that we might think of righteousness. In terms of God's righteousness, He's perfectly good, He's perfectly holy, He's without blemish. So here's what I believe it means when Paul writes in, the right, in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. The gospel reveals the righteousness of God. And what is that righteousness? Not only is it a clean slate before God, but it's more than that. It's His holiness. It's His goodness. It's His perfection. It's not a righteousness that's ours. It's not our own. It's a righteousness that God has given us. God in His grace gives Uh, makes his righteousness available to us. And we need to receive it with open hands. Remember, it's a gift. His righteousness is a gift. We don't add to it. We don't contribute to it. We simply receive it. And how do we do that? By faith. It says from faith for faith. From faith means that God's faithfulness is the beginning of it all, right? Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, God's faithfulness comes first. From faith, for faith, simply means we receive it. We have faith in his faithfulness. For faith means that we rely on it. 
Martin Luther came to understand this. It changed his life and it changed history. Before he understood it, he was crushed by the weight of the, of the reality that the righteousness of God requires something that he can never attain. He tried. But then all of a sudden, his eyes were opened. And he called this an alien righteousness. It's a righteousness that, that belongs to someone else. And here's what Luther said. He says, when I discovered that, I was born again of the Holy Ghost and the doors of paradise swung open and I walked through. That's the same thing that motivated Paul. He saw an obligation to share the gospel of Jesus with everyone because the gospel was the power to save and the revelation that God's righteousness, righteousness is a free and gracious gift we receive by faith. So if you're like me, you might hear a message like this on evangelism and be tempted to look back on all the times you were ashamed. Maybe it was a conversation with a neighbor. Maybe it was the coworker that you sit next to every day. Maybe it's that family member. Uh, your mind might wander again to the, to the what's in the house. How can I get better? Right, what's the best method? What's the best way? But I want to encourage you, and, tr and trust me, I need this more than most. Don't worry about the what and the how. Set your mind and your hearts on the why. Do the work now to help change your perspective. Don't wait for circumstances beyond your control to bring you desperately to him. You need him just as desperately now. If your life is going better than you could have ever dreamed, press into the word, press into community to help you rightly see who he is. Do that to be so deeply in awe of the power and the wonder of the gospel that you can't not tell people about it. Do that so it becomes a priority, not because you have to, because you want to, because you love to. You love to tell the story, right? Martin Luther wrestled with the righteousness of God until God, <coughs> excuse me, until God opened his eyes to the reality that the righteousness was a gift. And it changed the world. What if we began to wrestle, to fight, to know and understand the gospel like that? How might our families be changed? How might our neighborhoods be changed? Our church, Tulsa, the world. I want to close by going back to Jonathan Dodson's unbelievable gospel. And he says this, is we must see Jesus over and over again as the source and goal of God's work. We must look to him as the renewing power of our new creation. Jesus is the motivation for evangelism, and the Father is calling us to count on Christ more than anything else and entrust our evangelistic record to him. Don't count on methods, conversions, 
cultural savvy or your church, count on Christ deeply and you will communicate Christ freely. Let's pray.